Hello, everyone, and welcome to the March 7th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Brad Hutchins with Omega Health Systems. Let's get started with this week's news. The National Insurance Crime Bureau reports that there has been a 24% rise in what insurance companies consider suspicious claims since 2008. In 2008, a total of over 74,000 so-called questionable claims, or QCs, were referred to the Bureau from its member insurance companies. By 2010, there were over 91,000 QCs received, which is a 24% increase in insurance company fraud reporting in two years. The National Insurance Crime Bureau's report on 2010 questionable claims examines six referral claim categories, property, casualty, commercial, workers' compensation, vehicle, and a miscellaneous category. Questionable claims are those claims that Bureau member insurance companies refer to NICB for closer review and investigation based on one or more possible indicators of possible fraud. And it seems that their estimates ring true this week here in California as fraud prosecutions dominate our weekly news. Gerald Quint of San Jose was convicted of 19 felony counts of workers' compensation insurance premium fraud, income tax evasion, and unemployment insurance tax evasion. Quint owned and operated New Century Transportation, a nearly 100-vehicle transportation company which contracted with Santa Clara County to provide commuter express and downtown area shuttle services. New Century also had contracts with local corporations to run shuttle buses from major transportation hubs and light rail stations. His legal problems began when a franchise tax board audit revealed that New Century Transportation failed to report nearly $11 million in income. This failure resulted in a corporate and personal income tax evasion of over $506,000. Then, an EDD investigation led to the discovery that Quint failed to report millions of dollars in payroll to them as well. Finally, a district attorney investigation revealed that Quint underreported payroll to reduce the workers' compensation insurance premium by over $1.3 million over the, over the years. He pled guilty in the summer of 2009 to charges of workers' compensation insurance premium fraud, income and corporate tax evasion, and unemployment insurance tax evasion, and was sentenced last week to 10 years in state prison. As a part of his sentence, he was ordered to pay over $2.7 million in restitution. The former owners of two high-end Japanese restaurants have been sentenced for insurance fraud and sales tax evasion in a case with losses totaling $2.1 million. Simon Hong and his wife, Katie Shin, both of Kota de Kaza, a guard-gated private community in Orange County, pled guilty to 14 felonies. Hong and Shin owned and operated Maki Maki California Japanese Cuisine with restaurants at the River at Rancho Mirage and the Irvine Spectrum. In late 2009, the restaurant was abruptly closed after the couple was arrested and a dozen employees were left without their jobs. Hong has been sentenced to two years in prison and Shin will serve four. Hong and Shin had faced up to 23 years in prison before making their plea bargains. The couple pocketed $2.1 million, which should have legally been distributed to the California State Compensation Insurance Fund, the State Board of Equalization, and the Employment Development Department. Daly City Councilwoman Maggie Gomez will be forced to leave office after she pled no contest to two counts of felony workers' compensation fraud. 
Gomez entered her pleas about one week before she was scheduled to go to trial on 16 felony charges, which could have sent her to prison for more than five years. Under a plea bargain, Gomez will face up to six months in county jail for pleading no contest to two counts of making false or fraudulent statements to obtain comp benefits. She is set to be sentenced on May 3rd. While Gomez had a meniscus tear that had to be surgically repaired, prosecutors had video that appeared to show her walking without any pain. Gomez was seen doing things she claimed her injury prevented her from doing, such as lifting groceries and exercising. The felony convictions automatically disqualify Gomez from her city council position under state law. The city council can choose either an appointment or a special election to fill a vacancy on the council. For the fourth time since January, a Hacienda La Puente Unified School District employee was arrested on charges of workers' compensation fraud. This time, April Metzinger, a La Puente resident, was booked on suspicion of falsely claiming industrial injuries and attempted perjury. She is facing three counts of insurance fraud and three counts of attempted perjury. Metzinger pled not guilty to the felony charges at her arraignment in downtown Los Angeles. She is the fourth district employee charged with workers' compensation fraud this year. Officials said Metzinger worked part-time for the district as a child development technician and claimed she was injured in two separate incidents. In 2006, she claimed disability for injuries sustained while doing the Heimlich maneuver on a choking child. She also claimed to be injured when she ran into a pole while rushing the child to the hospital. Metzinger then claimed she was also hurt in 2007 when a child jumped on her while playing on a trampoline. Officials said she claimed to have injuries to her ribs, breast, chest, neck, legs, and back from the incidents, along with a multitude of medical problems like stress and ulcers. But Metzinger was under surveillance and was videotaped visiting Disneyland, riding roller coasters, carrying around one of her children, and moving about without any apparent restrictions, according to the investigators. She was later videotaped camping in Wrightwood for several days. In 2008, she was scheduled to be deposed, but her attorney said she couldn't attend because she was in too much pain. According to video surveillance, she was actually in Las Vegas attending her daughter's cheerleading competition. In January, police arrested another school district employee on fraud charges. Then in February, police arrested two other Hacienda La Puente employees on charges related to workers' compensation fraud. All three pled not guilty and face hearings in March or April. The four cases here are unrelated. And in regulatory news, the Division of Workers' Compensation has updated and posted new answers to frequently asked questions about the utilization review process on its website. The updated FAQs add in a new topic covering requests for authorization, or RFAs. The updates also offer more detailed information about prior authorization and a new question addressing when a claims administrator may deny a request for authorization without first obtaining a physician review. Other changes include discussion of the UR investigation process, handling RFAs from secondary physicians, and from agreed medical evaluator or qualified medical evaluator reports. Additionally, there is new discussion of the California Supreme Court's 2008 Sandhagen decision, which held that UR is mandatory and is required in every case, but not necessarily for every treatment request. The FAQ contains some interesting and at times obscure information about the UR process. 
For example, it is well known that the time limits for UR commence upon receipt of a request for authorization. The FAQ points out that the RFA must be signed by the treating physician. The FAQ goes on to explain that the signature must be a written original. A typed name without signature or a signature stamp is not sufficient. Electronic signatures have not yet been accepted in workers' compensation cases in California. It would appear from this FAQ answer that if a claims administrator has missed a time limit, scrutiny of their RFA to make sure it has a proper signature consistent with this answer might be an important step. The FAQ contains a considerable amount of information about the UR process and examples of situations that seem to fall in gray areas of the law. It is a worthwhile read for those who may have questions or concerns about the application of the day-to-day -day UR process. And now our medical report. Researchers claim that free medical journals, crammed with glossy ads, could be swaying doctors to prescribe new expensive drugs with unknown long-term risks. German researchers found that these journals, which are financed by pharmaceutical company advertisements, are much more likely to recommend new medications than journals paid for by subscribers. The authors say that in the journals you get for free, there were most positive recommendations for these new drugs. But in the journals you have to pay for, in most instances the articles were critical of the same drug. And that's a problem because free journals are an important time saver for physicians who don't have time to keep up with the more technical, peer-reviewed journals. However, that shortcut may up, end up leading to questionable treatment decisions. The researcher, whose findings appear in the Canadian Medical Association Journal, mined several German journals for articles on a range of heavily promoted newer drugs, such as Merck's cholesterol drug, Zetia. Among five free journals, there were 253 articles encouraging use of the new drugs, while only one article was negative and two were neutral. In two of those publications, the chances of finding a positive drug recommendation more than doubled when an ad for the same drug appeared in the same issue. Journals with subscription fees offered far less advice on the new drugs, however with three positive recommendations, three neutral ones, and 28 negative. Sometimes called throwaway journals, the free publications mostly contain boiled down research summaries and opinion pieces. They also offer continuing medical education, which many doctors need to maintain their medical licenses. They are not the same as open access, peer-reviewed journals, which are also free to read, but are made available online and contain original research. It's estimated that drug makers generate two to five dollars for each dollar spent on advertising in medical journals. The evidence suggests strongly that doctors' prescribing habits are influenced by these practices, leading to the widespread prescription of drugs of dubious benefit. Workers' compensation claim administrators always have the option to submit a request for authorization for medication to UR to determine if the medical science justifies the treatment. This new study may indicate that in some cases, it may not. And in other news, the California Workers' Compensation Institute has announced it will conduct a one-day case law seminar in May in both Long Beach and San Francisco. The program will examine how recent trends in decisional law are reshaping California workers' compensation. This is the 13th consecutive year that CWCI has conducted the program. 
Their faculty includes attorneys Michael Marks and Saul Allweiss and Richard Jacobmeiser. The presentation will use a debate-style format to present alternate views on recent decisions and insights into what they mean for those trying to deliver benefits or defend claims. The 2011 program will explore a wide range of cases and topics, including Ogilvy and the diminished future earning capacity variant, Almaraz and Guzman rebutting the AMA guides, medical care issues and utilization review, settlement complexities and consequences, and lean procedures and practice. The Institute will present the seminar from 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. on Monday, May 16th at the Grand Event Center in Long Beach and repeat the program on Wednesday, May 18th at Hotel Nico in San Francisco. Tuition is $395 with a $75 discount available to CWCI member company employees. Five hours of continuing education units will be available for attorneys. Pre-registration and prepayment are required. For more details or to register online, please visit the CWCI website. That's all our news for this week and events. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Brad Hutchins with Omega Health Systems. Thanks again for joining us. Please drop by our website again next week for more news.